Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And before I introduce the other guys, let's go over the Bundesliga match day results. Friday night, we've seen Hoffenheim 3, Paderborn 0. Into Saturday, Borussia Dortmund 3, Wolfsburg 0. RB Leipzig 8, Mainz 0. Bayer Leverkusen 1, Borussia Mönchengladbach 2. Eintracht Frankfurt 5, Bayern Munich 1. Eh? Uh, Werner Bremen 2, Freiburg 2. The last game of Saturday was the Berlin Derby, and that one ended 1-0 to Union. On Sunday, we've seen Derby Day, Dusseldorf 2, Cologne 0, and finishing off the weekend, Osberg 2, Schalke 3. So, joining me, as always, is the football grad uh, creator, Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Oh, extremely busy, Bryce. Um, you know, I I flew over to to Germany on on Friday on Saturday. I arrived in in Frankfurt. Um, basically went straight to the stadium and yeah, I, I witnessed something that I did not think I I haven't witnessed in a very very long time. A very heavy Bayern loss, and I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that one today. And then on on Sunday. Um, I was at the the Rhein Derby, uh, Düsseldorf against Köln. It was very, I mean, it wasn't the, the greatest game, but the atmosphere was fantastic. And um, yeah, currently in Hamburg. Uh, I can't really reveal too much why I'm here, but um, enjoying it. It's a great city. And then tomorrow I'm in Dortmund for the Champions League game. Very exciting and busy as always. Joining Manu and I is Forbes and football journalist Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Very good, Bryce, thanks. What a wonderful weekend of football. Can't believe that we had um, eight goals in one game and six in another very special game. Um, And dare we say it, the first of two axes has fallen. Yeah, um, you're mentioning the goals. I mean, there was games of five goals, four goals, three goals. There was goals galore, but... It goes even beyond the results this weekend, doesn't it? Um, We've got plenty to talk about, so let's just jump in straight away. Um, 
Yes, it it seems that, um, as I mentioned, the result did not quite uh, go for Bayern when they lost 5-1 to Eintracht Frankfurt and they have parted ways with coach Nico Kovac, something that we had kind of suggested may have been on the cards for some time now. Uh, So this may not be a massive surprise. Maybe the timing is. Um, Manu, this... um, you you had the feeling that this was coming for a while, um, and it, it, it's unfortunate for Nico Kovac. But with a result like that and the way things had been going, it, it was almost inevitable. <laughs> I, I I love the fact that you say Manuel. You had a feeling this has been coming for a while, and there is Manuel Neuer, who we call also Manu in Germany. And he said after the game, "I feel like this result has been coming for a while." I I think. Of all the quotes that I've heard this weekend, this was the most damning. And the, the quote that basically I, I feel when Neuer, the, as a team captain, went on television and said, this result has been coming for a while. I think it says a lot about the, the state of the dressing room and the the general feeling among the Bayern players um, when you have, you know, your leader of the team say that. Um the rest of the players did not speak after after this game, after the five one smashing of Eintracht Frankfurt. That was that was my headline. Bayern Munich smashed by Eintracht Frankfurt. I think there's nothing much else you need to add to that. It was a devastating performance. Um by Frankfurt it was an embarrassing performance by Bayern. You know, I feel like they there will be some excuses made about that red card. Um, having maybe changed the game, but in truth, I don't think it did. You know, even even before that, Frankfurt sliced them apart, like so many other sides in in German football have done before. And so, no Bayern players spoke after the game. Um, they didn't. They didn't wanna. We were told no. No one is gonna speak. Um, not a huge surprise. Nick Coach did have to speak. It's mandated by the league that the head coach does speak at the press conference. And I sat in the first row and. Kovac had to ask, obviously, some very difficult questions. But when Adi Hutter spoke, who was obviously elated by the result, I saw, I I felt, you don't want to say this, but I actually felt almost terrible because um, Kovac's face was almost ashen. There's a photo that I posted in the Forbes article that I wrote today on his um, mutual termination. It's used the the political correct language, shall we, um, at Bayern. And it, he he did just not look healthy and there was moments when you know when he just listened to Hitler and he there was a thousand mile stare um he was certainly elsewhere with his thoughts um and i i think you know i was talking to other journalists and we all said there is no coming back from that i think chris you we the two of us we spoke like we often do on whatsapp I know you had to back watch the game. You didn't watch it. I sent you a message, I think, about 60 minutes in and said, Frankfurt, we're waiting for one. And all you wrote back was, what? Question mark. Uh, like, it was unbelievable. But, you know, um, you then also said, there's no coming back from that result. And I guess there never was. Yeah, there was no coming back um, from this result for me. As soon as I saw your message, I was um, covering Liverpool's game against Aston Villa at Aston Villa. And, as soon as I saw your message, you kept my eye on the score. And when I saw it go to 5-1, um, I I thought then that this would be Nico Kovac's last game because 
we can go all the way back to last season, Manu, the amount of times we spoke about how Bayern weren't playing particularly good. And then I think back, and this must be about the 150th time I've said this, I think back to that night in the Allianz where Liverpool destroyed them 3-1 at home. That, for me, was the turning point because the players didn't look happy. I remember um, Robert Lundowski going on television and tearing apart Bayern's tactics. You know, it was a big humiliation for them to be turned over. Semi-finalists consistently looking at winning the trophy. Um, I think that sort of um, sort of put the writing on the wall. But, I mean, you can go even further back from that. So I think he nearly lost his job this time last year when the results were terrible. Um and I do feel sorry for him because I think he's an excellent coach. But I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, he's the wrong man um, for the, for the, for this club. He's a good coach, but Bayern wants a high draw, big profile name to bring in. And, and what we have to remember is that some of these players that, he's, that are playing under or were playing under Kovac played under Pep Guardiola and arguably the best Bayern Munich side you've seen in a long time. If you think back to the way they played football in the Bundesliga, you know, the league was sewn up by early March. That's how good a football team they were. And it's it seems a very, very long way um, away from that now. Um, and, and yeah, Kovac had to go. There was, there was no coming back because he was on dodgy ground anyway. And to get beat by his old side 5-1, um, is was was always a step too far, I think. Manu, what 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 do you feel um, the next processes for Bayern are are going to be? I mean, uh, who's going to cover the the Champions League game midweek and then going into obviously the the big heavy hitting game, the Classica with you with Dortmund next week. Um, who's going to cover those games? And then I suppose the next question that everyone wants to know is who's going to come in after this. So those are very excellent questions. Let's go with the one that I can actually answer. Um, Hansi Flick is going to take over for now. Hansi Flick, you know, I actually did a piece on the International Champions Cup on him this this summer because I argued that he might be Bayern's most important signing um, of the of the summer transfer window because he was, of course, the assistant head coach to Joachim Löw when Germany won the 2014 World Cup. And a lot of people credit him to do a lot of the groundwork tactically and also do the um, necessary adjustments to Germany's attacking play, especially its set pieces. Remember that um, header that Mats Hummels scored against France in the quarterfinal that sent him through to the semifinal where they then beat Brazil, um, where they also scored after a set piece. And that was because... Joachim Löw was always an enemy of set pieces, but Hansi Flick actually convinced him that you know set pieces are an important part of, of the game, and he was able to coach Joachim Löw into doing the right kind of coaching. That's the sort of person he is, and you know I, my argument was this summer that Hansi Flick, when he comes in, he's going to help Niko Kovac to stabilize the side tactically, to add the things that are missing and that we're missing for a long time. Chris is quite right. In the, the Liverpool game was what we call in German Offenbarungseid. Um, it loosely translates into, um, you know, it, was, it laid open all the problems that they have. And uh, as was yesterday, so I feel like maybe Hansi Flick did not have the influence yet that he needed on the side, or maybe he just Niko Kovac didn't let him because Robert Kovac's brother is, of course, quite, quite involved as well in, in the coaching aspect of things. So the other argument that I made at the ICC, and this has now become true, was that in case things do go wrong, 
with Niko Kovac, they will be a ready-made man, ready to step in and take over the reins for as long as it takes for Bayern to identify the next head coach, because Hansi Flick is head coach material. He's a very, very good man-manager. He's a very good tactical manager. He is a World Cup winner. Um, even though as an assistant, so I, th I feel the players will respect what he has to say. A lot of those players have worked with him at the national team, so they will respect that as well. So I think that that is going to buy Bayern a lot of time because the next coaching acquisition to try answering your second question, when they can't answer, we, d we don't know because they don't know. I'll be quite frank with you, they don't know. They have candidates in mind, they have people in mind, they have a profile in mind. Um, they, I think they're, they're sniffing around a couple of people going to test the waters where they, who they're going to get. But I think the next coaching acquisition has to work out. They cannot be um, an alternative. They can't, be, they, can't have like, um, they can't have another situation like they, they had with you know, um, Niko Kovac or with Akalo Ancelotti. They, they need to have a coach that can rebuild the side for the next five, six, seven years. And I think the name that comes to mind um, is Eric Ten Hag, the Ajax coach, who of course worked at Bayern under both Louis van Gaal and uh, Pep Guardiola. And another name I've heard, and I think this would be just a, kind of like a Heinkes appointment last year, is Ralf Rangnick. Um, I think he would come in and maybe act as a stopgap measure until the end of the season, steady the ship as much as they can. Um, I think this time around, the chance is even better than last year for someone else to actually win the title. But, you know, this, is, this would be my um, answer to your second question. I, what I find is way more interesting, though, is like the process of how, how this mutual termination came around. Because, Chris, we chatted about this. A mutual termination means quite a lot of different things, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Normally, um, it is a byword for a second, um, and it's the save face for a coach. So if you look at some of the big names that have gone, Arsene Wenger and Arsenal mutually terminated, um, Jose Mourinho and Real Madrid mutually terminated, it normally saves face. But on this instance, it does seem like the the, the parting of ways was um, mutually acceptable. If you read the um, the reports that Build have gone with, um, Kovac resigned um had known he'd got to the end he couldn't take this squad any further um but once again you know has he arrived at this decision whilst being told he's been arriving at this decision mutually terminated can mean a number of things um but what it doesn't mean is sacked and I, I don't think he was sacked on this occasion I firmly believe that maybe he jumped before he was pushed um or maybe he jumped at the same time as he was pushed uh, but Unfortunately for Kovac, this was coming, and and it wasn't just coming in the last few weeks. It was coming in the last twelve months. So, for him to last as long as he did, uh, I think is is a measure of 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 his own powers, of his own staying powers. Um, but yeah, once he lost certain individuals in a boardroom, there was definitely no coming back from it. And you're quite right. Who comes in? Because it's a really strange time um, for any manager. Uh, to go, um, although we thought maybe it could be next week, you know, start the international break, etc. Um, th there will be a break in European football. Who's going to come in? Uh, because some of the names that they've been linked with, the teams are doing all right. Are they going to leave the potential clubs and, and go to Bayern Munich? Obviously, Bayern are a massive draw. Um, I think they may end up with a, 
with a stopgap until the summer when they could get who they want. But Manu's quite right. It has to be the right person because everybody knew Nico Kovac was option B. Um, you know, Thomas Tuchel was named um, first um, and then Bayern faffed around and he pulled himself out of that run-in. They wanted Jupp Heynckes to stay. He didn't stay in the end. And Nico Kovac was the only man really available at the time and Bayern can't be in that situation again. I just want to add one thing that really fascinated me about what happened on Sunday because it almost was like a little bit of a... It was like a theatre production, like a drama. It was... It was in many, so many ways so bizarre. So the first statements that came out, out of Munich, and the things that I've heard was that Nico Kovac was going to stay, and that was the agreement made between all parties, that he was going to stay, he was going to be given those two extra games. Although, again, we chatted, Chris, off the record, and I agree with you 100% that you know that was a foolish decision. Um, then he led the training session, and I used one of those pictures from the training session where he was kind of wandering around in the background, and the players were kind of coaching itself for the article I did on Forbes. And um, I guess during that training, training session, he must have come to the conclusion that this is it. There is no going further. Then he went to the board and they had this discussion and that's where they agreed that they would go and terminate after all. And this it came out to us out so such a weird way. It was at uh, 9 o'clock. At, uh, I got the message at 8. Most agencies went around 9 and Bayern made it official I think shortly after. And it came out so late that Kicker didn't he wasn't even able to print it. Um, the print version that you get today says Kovac allowed to continue, and all the Kicker print versions that you can buy in the shop never happens. <laughs> it, that's that's how quick and fast and turnover this decision was. It was it was really bizarre, and I feel like it says a lot about the club that they that the way all of this went down is is almost I find it very telling. Because somewhere Kovac had the enlightenment, had that enlightening moment where he said, "This is not possible anymore." And what does that say about the players he's been working with? Because he must have had that enlightened moment on the training pitch. And Chris, you with exclamation mark sent me this message. He he resigned. That is huge, and it is. But he res the, the way he resigned, the, the way the mutual termination was agreed, is also bizarre. <laughs> Chris, Chris. They used the same quotes for Karl, Karl Heinz Rummenigge's statement to thank his services and all that, that they used for the Carlo Ancelotti statement. Someone tweeted the picture, like putting them side to side. That's how fast they had to go. They had to copy and paste the statements from when they sacked Ancelotti 20 months ago. It was fast, but I sent you those messages as soon as I got the email from Bayern saying that um, public training was closed. That pretty much nailed it for me. Um, and looking at your pictures within the the Forbes article, he must have had um, an epiphany when he was taking that training session that actually these players don't want to work for me anymore. There's no way back. I can't recover. Um, I'm going to leave, and that's what must have happened in those final hours. Um, yeah, it was it was very strange, very very strange. Um, I'd like to know who called the the public training off was it Kovac himself was it buying the club who didn't want anybody to be there and put any undue pressure on the players or the coach himself um but yeah for for him to turn around after that training session he must have seen 
that there was actually no way that this was recoverable. And that's a sad reflection, really, for any coach. You know, you see a a solemn-looking person. Let's forget. Let's not forget. Sorry, that you know, at the end of the day, it gives us everything to talk about. But somebody's lost their job, and I'm, I'm sure he won't be unemployed for very long because I think he's a great coach, and he could probably get a job. Um, in any of Europe's top five leagues um, with uh, with a middle club. I, I do think managers fit at clubs and, and he wasn't a fit at Bayern and he was a fit at Eintracht. So I think it wouldn't surprise me to see Kovac come back in some form um, at a side that is looking to make the European slots. So a team that will want to finish fifth if they get fourth, it's you know it's, it's the best thing ever. But they're going to finish somewhere between fifth and ninth. I think that is a perfect fit for him. Um, you see it all over Europe at the moment. A, an easy one to look at is Brendan Rodgers at Leicester in the Premier League, absolutely flying under his tenureship because he's the right fit for that club. Um, there's no undue pressure on him. He's allowed to just get on with his job, and Kovac needs that. And from day one, he never got that at Bayern. Well, Chris, um, I mean, if we're talking about fits for clubs, uh, I mean, a name that keeps knocking around, and we, we did talk about Kovac maybe being a big enough profile, is, is Jose Mourinho. Is is that something that you could see happening, or do you think the club are trying to avoid him because of maybe recent spells Mourinho's had, you know, haven't ended very well? Well, this is something that Manu and I have also talked about, and we're both in agreement that if um, Jose Mourinho was to come in, it would have to be Porto Jose Mourinho. It couldn't be Manchester United Jose Mourinho because the football was terrible. Um, his attitude with the press was terrible. He was on the defensive from day one. Um, he won't get. He won't be Chelsea's Jose Mourinho. He won't get an open checkbook to just go spend, 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 spend. He's got phenomenal youth talent to work with. Something he did have at Manchester United, and he didn't want to work with. So, I don't know if the current squad fits. Um, Jose Mourinho I think if you take it back three four five seasons so um, when Pep Guardiola was at Bayern I think Jose Mourinho easily walks into that side and gets the best out of it I don't know if he's the right fit for this one at the moment um, Manu's already mentioned Ten Hagu knows the club but has done exceptionally well with Ajax um, really should have taken them a little bit further last season than they got, you know, we were talking about a last second goal that denied them a shot at the Champions League final. Um, so he's an excellent coach. Um, maybe time for him to move on. Lost a few players in the summer. I'm still doing great things with Ajax, though. Whether he'll be um, tempted, I think he could be, um, definitely. And then there's some other people, um, Allergy from, you know, ex Juventus, don't think he's a German speaker. If we go by what Bayern wanted last season, or sorry, before they hired Kovac, it's a hat to be a German speaker. Um, and of course, Jose Mourinho has been learning German, but um, it's going to have to be the right fit because Manu's quite right. They can't they can't have another manager come in, be it now or be it the start of next season, and be in the same position the end of October, start of November, where they're firing. For me, I think they should take on um, a stopgap. And they should go all out for Thomas Tuchel in the summer because not only is he a German speaker, because he's German, um, he's proved he can handle a big side and he's proved he can handle very big players in the likes of Neymar and Mbappe, two brilliant players with um, larger-than-life attitude. Um, Tuchel has, has got the best out of them. Um, maybe not so much Neymar, but I don't think any coach would. But he's really got the best out of that PSG side. Um, and I think he could do a wonderful job at Bayern. 
it's just whether he would want to go there. Everything now um, is out of Bayern's hands because they have to chase a manager or a head coach because anybody that's anybody is currently at a club. I don't think there's anybody out of work who you would think, I will definitely take him. Everybody has been linked with is out of work, but some of the main players they want are currently in a job. Of course, they'd love Jurgen Klopp, but that won't happen. But I think after that, the the best person for me would be Thomas Tuchel. And Manu, if, if we just go back to you and one final note uh, on Bayern, uh, Chris has talked about it being a fit with the players, with the squad, you know, and with the coach. Um, we're looking at you, Ancelotti, obviously, um, you know, it, it didn't seem to work with the players there towards the end of his time there. Um, it hasn't worked with Kovac. You know, the other underlying problems here, you're with the players. I mean, it's any coach coming in, I mean, are, are they doomed before they've even walked through the door? Yes, just yes. I mean, look at the whole Thomas Müller situation. I mean, don't need to add much to it. Mats Hummels left. You know, Manuel Neuer's statement that this result has been coming for a while. I mean, that's the, it just, it, it, that burned itself in my brain over the week and I had to keep repeating it because how can you as a player say that a 5-1 defeat has been coming for a while when you play for Bayern? That means they talked about this in the dressing room. And I've heard from very good sources that the players were so discontent with, with Kovac and his tactics. Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right celebrate the holiday season with the holiday crush they've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun packed challenges every week for five whole weeks finishing on january 4th the more challenges you complete the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards so are you ready to crush the holidays play the holiday crush now download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply you know that they were they were they were kind of waiting for a result like that, and when you start waiting for a result like that, you make a step too late. You don't necessarily you you don't every every time you make a step too late because you don't necessarily believe in your coach anymore, you're doomed. But this is now the second time this has happened with the dressing room. You know, first it was Ancelotti, who just wasn't the right man. You know, didn't play Thomas Müller in the right position, um, experimented with his side and lost the dressing room. And uh, Heinkes comes in and steadies it somewhat, and now it's it's Kovac, and that does make you wonder if there is maybe a few bad apples in that dressing room. So my my question, like to make it a long answer short, yes. Yeah, we're gonna have to see just how this one pans out um, in, in the next uh, not just few days, but I feel the the coming weeks as we go into the international break after next match. Uh, Bryce, can I just say one thing on this? Like just one final thing, because of this is this has been on my head today, and I did I did mention it in one paragraph, and I think 
a lot of blame has been put on on Kovac on the situation. But look at the side that they gave him um, this summer. And a lot of people, I've seen this a lot on Twitter, it's like, oh, he got all the players that he wanted. That's not true. He wanted a ball-carrying number six to replace Javi Martinez. They, they sort of semi-chased after Rodrigo and Salihamidzic couldn't get that deal done. Right? Then he wanted a fast, pacey winger to, to, to have someone ready for when uh, something happens to Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry, because that happens quite a lot. So they went after Leroy Sané, and he ended up getting Ivan Perisic and Coutinho. Who gr- I think Coutinho is a great player, but essentially they had that already in Müller. Um, Perisic is, is, is a good player, but he's not a high-pressing player. You know, have to remember Kovac is from, from the Red Bull system. He, they like to play the high-press, the high-attacking press. He didn't get the players for it. Um, and I think that's where you have to shift some of the blame and say that the people in charge and the people in charge were first and foremost Hassan Salihamidzic, who had to ask Karl-Heinz Rummenigge to sign Coutinho for him because he, Barcelona wouldn't even open the door for him, right? And I think that is something that a lot of people have to look at. It doesn't, in my opinion, the clearing house should not stop at, at Niko Kovac because that is to overlook a big part of, the, of what's been gone wrong in the summer. So Manu, are, are you suggesting an, an absolute clear-out? You'll get rid of a lot of players and try and sign quite a few as well you know, it's a really big summer with you know especially if they do hold off like chris has said you know and, and, until appointing the coach that they want until the summer well Carl, you know oliver khan is coming in as this, the new ceo heiner is coming in as the new president and i think they might oliver khan is going to take a long hard look at this dressing room and he's going to take a long hard look at um who signed the the players and made the decision when it comes to squad building and i think there will be changes yeah, absolutely. I think there, there's going to be changes on and off the pitch uh, for Bayern. It's going to be a, a big uh, few months, maybe even next year for them. But uh, let, let's talk about the, the sides and the results um, that featured this weekend that are trying to um, upset Bayern and uh, take their crown in the Bundesliga. And we'll start off with that absolutely huge result for RB Leipzig, who, who absolutely tore apart Mainz 8-0, especially with the starman Timo Werner getting three goals and three assists. Um, Chris, uh, the, this was as impressive as it can possibly get uh, in front of a, a home crowd at Leipzig, isn't it? Um, they, they had went four games before this without getting a win in the Bundesliga. Um, it had all started so well, but then kind of come off the boil. And they leapfrogged Bayern into third place, uh, joint with points, but obviously the goal different swing has benefited there. Uh, this, this was a perfect day, really, for Julian Nagelsmann. Yeah, it was. And if you're looking to get back to winning ways, um, you can't do much better than, than an 8-0 victory. And, you know, the majority of the goals come in at the most important part of the match, which is just before the break and just after the break. Um, I think as Mainz went in at half time and what they were 4-0 down, they, they were they 4-1, yeah, 4-0 down, um, they probably came out and thought, oh, we'll just maybe keep it at, at 4-0. And, and then they were further down, um, sorry, it was 5-0 at half-time, wasn't it? And they came out and probably just wanted to keep it at 5, but before they could draw breath, they were 7 down. Um, I think that just shows how poor Mainz are, really. But, yeah, Leipzig needed a big result uh, with the international break coming up because 
I mean, they've played some fantastic football this season. Um, I've been lucky enough to see them twice, win twice, win convincingly twice as well. Um, and they have this ability, but the last few weeks that's slipped. And we all know that Julian Nagelsmann will get it right uh, at Leipzig and there will be a team to fear. Um, and I think that all came together on the weekend. And yeah, they are third in 18th, um, just behind leaders, you know, Gladbach, on 22, a point behind Dortmund. But if you think now about the points they've dropped and how poor Dortmund and Bayern are in in the real reality of things, Leipzig should be storming away with this league at the minute, which um, must be of concern to Julian Nagelsmann a little bit. Um, but they're right. But even after having a poor four or five weeks, Bryce, they are still in, in the hunt for for a title, as are Bayern. Um, and as are Dortmund still. But I think Leipzig, out of all these clubs we're looking at, if you look at the top six, I think Leipzig are the one to really take it to Gladbach. Dortmund are, are firing on different cylinders at different times. Bayern are a mess. They've got no head coach at the minute. Um, Freiburg are Freiburg and will fall off. And Schalke are still developing under David Wagner. So um, Leipzig, a, a key for me for the for the run into the winter pause. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right there. They're, they're going to have to uh, go on a bit of a run and, and kind of seize the moment. Um, uh, Manu, I, I would say they're a way match uh, next weekend uh, to Hertha Berlin is a is a real must win, especially with your uh, Klassiker on and you know, the, the possibility of one or both of those teams uh, dropping points. Um, though off the field, um, Manu, there, there's continuous rumours, isn't there, with Timo Werner and where he may end up. They, these just don't seem to be going away. Well, he has an exit clause, right? Um, although I, I I hear conflicting stories from how much that exit clause is for clubs that are not named Bayern Munich. Um, so keep your eye out on that. Uh, it, it might be one of those where there's like a protected list of clubs that can can buy him out for, for less than what his normal exit clause is. But look, if you score three goals and three assists, people are going to notice. And I think that overall, he had he had a little spell. Um, you know, he, he started very hard, and then he had a little spell of I think three or four games where he didn't score. But he's been scoring goals again um, in in the last few matches, and this performance in particular was um, quite outstanding. It's not often that you score, you know, three goals. Okay, that's a hat trick. But to add three assists to that, that that's a six point game. Um, and that is, that is that is very impressive. So I I think a lot of clubs are keeping his an eye on him. But Leipzig have said to that day today that they don't want to sell him. So um, I guess that if another club comes in, they they will try their utmost to convince him to stay even longer. Um, I guess you can do that by trying to buy off the the exit clause by giving him even more money. And I think he's used, right now he's worth every penny of it. Chris, can you see uh, Timo Werner staying at RB Leipzig uh, you know, further than this season? Well, I think it all depends on, on what Timo Werner wants um, and how close Leipzig are to the title because at the moment he's at a club that are having a good push at the title. Um, if he was to go to Bayern, um, <laughs> they look further away than Leipzig currently. Um, would he go to Dortmund? Not sure. Would he look to go abroad? Who knows? Um, there are clubs who would be happy to take him Um, whether that is a deal in January for a move in summer or whether someone's going to slap a load of money and try and tempt RB Leipzig in in the winter transfer window we'll wait to see but for once I think that Leipzig hold the cards here 
um, because they are playing so well and they do have a really good looking future under Julian Nagelsmann. That Timo Werner might go somewhere else. Let's say he goes to Bayern or even Dortmund or Liverpool or Manchester United. He will go and he will be expected to hit the ground running. And sometimes players find that hard, especially if he's to move to a different league, whether it's England or Spain or France or wherever. Um, he would need a little bit of time to, to get up to speed, I would think. Is he going to get that time? Who knows? Um, if he moves to Bayern, he would come under with a load of pressure, um, like he would do if he would move to Dortmund. And we've seen how Thorgan Hazard, Julian Brandt haven't really hit the ground as, as well as we thought they would do at Dortmund. So it, it's a big ask for a young player. Um, and he's got everything he needs in Julian Nagelsmann at the minute. So uh, in other situations, at other times, I think Leipzig have been um, maybe praying. I think they hold the cards in this particular one. Naby Keita, they, they were praying, I think, at the end of last season, they were praying that Timo Werner stayed. Now I think they can offer Timo a better deal um, than anybody else in Germany. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens in January or the end of the season. But as Chris said, that may come down to just how well uh, RB Leipzig do the rest of the season. Uh, so let's move on and talk about Borussia Dortmund. They had a fantastic win over the weekend over Wolfsburg, who had not been beat in any match, even if that was in a friendly in, in the summer under Oliver Glasner. This was their first one and 3-0, quite a convincing uh, result. Um, Manu, there, there was a bit of a rotation uh, in the lineup. Uh, Julian Brandt came into the side. Um, also, unfortunately, a, a forced change um, after 28 minutes uh, with Marco Royce coming off. Uh, but Dortmund looked good for the victory. Yeah, actually, uh, ironically, I think they looked good for the victory after Marco Royce came off. And I, I wrote in my match report today that maybe before anyone suggests, I think Marco Royce is not a good player. That's not what I mean. But what I suggest is that Marco Royce occupies a lot of the space that Torgen Hazard and Julian Brandt would like to take up. And they almost seem to come more, they almost seem to be more in their own space and they, they, they seem to be able to be more free on the pitch without um, Marco Royce on the field. Julian Brandt had an excellent cup game as well. Remember that. He scored two goals to overturn a 1-0 deficit to Gladbach uh, midweek, which was a very important game for Dortmund because it really changed the mood, I, th I feel. Um, so Dortmund had a very good game without Marco Royce. They were not so great when Marco Royce was still on the field. And it really turned it on. And Mario Götze, of course, scoring a penalty that will be very important for his confidence as well. So I think I think they got the job done on a day where there was a massive opportunity to get to get three points over Bayern. And I personally think that although they played a very difficult opponent, at, at times they it seemed like they were almost. Um, they almost didn't seize the opportunity like they have done so many times before. And then it just started clicking for them around minute 65. And they got the three goals in a very good win um, over Wolfsburg. Um, so for me personally, I, I, I want to see a confirmation of that now, Bryce, because I'm in Dortmund tomorrow to to cover the um, Champions League game, right? Um, and uh, against Inter, a side that made it very difficult for them in the in the first leg, and I, I'm really curious to see how how they're going to get on, whether this is going to spark something because they need a spark from somewhere if they want to challenge for the title. It has to be now, and it has to be every game has to be perfect because sooner or later, 
Like, what if Bayern get the right coach and they they get they, they hit the ground running again? So they need to get this. They need to get the points now by Bayern a week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Chris, um, let's talk about that very briefly. Um, the the game at the weekend, uh, Dortmund. Yes, uh, midweek. Uh, Manu's going to be there. Uh, Champions League game against Inter. Both teams on four points. Barca leading that group with seven. But if we go back to the Bundesliga. Two teams come up against each other and Dortmund really have to, to seize this moment, don't they, and um, take it to the reigning champions. Um, how do you feel that that's going to go? I mean, it's not like you've got a crystal ball and can tell me, but some teams, it, it's always a bit funny, isn't it, after a coach is sacked, some teams react very well trying to prove themselves and others maybe don't. Um, is this a good time for Dortmund to face them is what I'm asking? No. I don't think it is a good time. Had Kovac been given two more games to save his career, um, I think it would have been a great time um, because after the 5-1 defeat at Frankfurt, um, if there would have been any sort of stumble midweek, I think Dortmund could have um, seized on that atmosphere surrounding the whole of Bayern. Um, but now that's been that's been done. It's been cut out and, and they will go afresh and the players will be happy. Um, you know, the... the 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 stopgap manager or the head coach they've got at the moment, the players will be very happy to play for him. So you will see a completely different Bayern face Dortmund on the weekend than you'll have seen um, Bayern face Frankfurt. So um, I think from a Dortmund perspective, this happened a week too soon for them. Um, but they're quite you, you're quite right, and Manu's quite right. It needs to be consistent because it wasn't that long ago when I watched Dortmund. Um, dispatch by Leverkusen quite easily and, and what they've done this last weekend is beat a Wolfsburg side who um, who have been playing excellent football um, but it's can they continue that now because with Dortmund unfortunately it's been you know one two miss a few and you can't you can't be like that if you want to have a sustained title fight I know they're second um, they're only you know, what is it three points behind the leaders but with the squad at their disposal and the ability they have to play football, like Leipzig, this should be a two-horse race with Bayern performing particularly poor, and it's not because they haven't seized that opportunity. Um, I think midweek is a distraction. Um, I genuinely don't believe they're good enough to win the Champions League. I don't believe they're good enough to get past the quarter-final stage. So for them, they need to concentrate on the Bundesliga um, and and then... Whatever happens in Europe happens, but I think they should look at the game on the weekend with more of a, an opportunity to seize the day. But a good win against Inter midweek would set that up for the weekend. But yeah, it's all about the big game um, on the weekend, Bryce, because whoever wins that out of the two teams, they will go into a break the happier um, and they will return from a break the happier. So yeah, it's a massive fixture and it's a massive fixture for Gladbach as well because there are two challenges here who who could either drop points or one of them will drop points um, or they both will drop points, but points will be dropped and that can only benefit um, Gladbach and Leipzig at the minute. So it's a, it's a big weekend for those two clubs, let alone Bayern and Dortmund will play each other. Yeah, it really is huge for RB Leipzig and the team we're going to talk about uh, now that we've talked about plenty in recent weeks is Borussia Mönchengladbach who still remain top of the Bundesliga. They had a 2-1 victory over Peter Boss's Bayern Leverkusen. Um, it's the same old story, isn't it, Manu, with uh, Leverkusen? All the shots, all the possession, 
still didn't win. But uh, credit to Borussia Mönchengladbach. They, they've got another impressive uh, victory, this away from home as well. It leaves them top of the pile and uh, looking good for it as well. Three points ahead of Dortmund. As Chris pointed out, your points being dropped this weekend by some of those uh, other sides. It's going to be a huge position for them to be in. Yeah, I almost feel bad a little bit for, for Gladbach because um, th there was two huge derbies this weekend. There was uh, Nico Kovac being sacked, um, you know, Leipzig smashing Mainz 8-0. And you have Gladbach, who actually were playing in a in a derby as well, the the, the little Rhein derby against um against Leverkusen, and they win that game and they go clear. First time that someone's actually gone proper clear on top of the table, and they're not the storyline, even though they should be. But because there's so many other storylines going on, it's almost been a little bit forgotten. And maybe that's maybe for them they they take that they say, okay, look, no one is talking about us right now. We're just gonna go silently on about business. Like point after point after point after point, and maybe by Christmas, when when the dust settles, all these other guys have have more or less, you know, fired their coaches, dropping points randomly. Um, we're gonna be maybe six, seven, eight points clear on top of the table, and that would be a massive opportunity for a club like Gladbach, you know, especially under a coach like Rose, who's been very, very successful in Austria, um, winning the title there, carrying Red Bull Salzburg very deep into the Europa League. I think. The moment is almost theirs because they're almost being overlooked as a story at the moment. And, you know, if you want to work as a club, that that can be a good thing. Yeah, maybe maybe everyone's attention be diverted to something else. May not be a bad thing for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Chris, I know we're, we're only 10 games in, but, you know, a three-point cushion and the potential this weekend of... Um, you know, being even further ahead, do you see Gladbach being able to have the legs to you know to to go into even the winter break, uh, you know, at top of the pile, and then maybe even further after that? Well, Bryce, we've reached my magical um, match week ten, which is when we can start finally. Yeah, we can finally. start seriously looking at the table. Um, and if you look, what's happened? Early runners, Freiburg have dropped out into the Europa League slots. Um, Schalke have come back from a poor start. Frankfurt have cemented themselves back into the European place. Um, and the top four has got a good look to it. Um, can Gladbach go all the way? Well, it was only 12 months ago where they were in a good position um, and they fell away under Dieter Hecken in the end. I don't know if they'll do that under Marco Rosa because he's such a good coach um, and he's used to success, so he knows what's needed to build a successful side. Um, Gladbach are now really in with a shout. Um, not only are they top of the table, but there is clear daylight at the top of the table. Um, you know, with the goal difference, the minute, with Dortmund playing Bayern, they can actually afford to lose a game and still be top of the league if if it doesn't go the you know if the classic is a draw and and Leipzig pick up a win, Gladbach can afford to lose a game and still be top. That's the cushion that they built themselves now. Um, so it, it's going to be hard for them because I think in order to win the league, they're going to have to go fifteen, sixteen matches without defeat, which is a big ask for anybody, um, let alone. Um, aside under a brand new coach, but they're setting themselves up, Bryce, to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. And if they can finish top four at the end of the season, I think that would be a great result for them. Um, 
but if they keep it up, we could get into the final stages, you know, um, late April, early May, where they're still in with a chance of winning the title. But I hope for them that they can get past the winter break and they can come back in January and, and start playing again with the same sort of rhythm and the same sort of style as they've started from August onwards because they didn't get that last year. Uh, they were beaten by Dortmund the very last game um, and they fell off after that. And hopefully for, for Gladbach, it won't happen again. Um, it could be a big season for them, for them and Leipzig and Schalke. Yeah, absolutely. Massive. Eh? Um, and uh, as you said, Chris, you know, they can almost afford to drop some points, which is crazy to think, you know, at this stage. But um, let, let's see if they can keep it up. Um, I, I think it's fantastic entertainment for us if somebody like Gladbach, someone unexpected, is up there. And just look at the rest of the table. I mean, from second you know, down to ninth, there's still two points in those teams. So it's, it's phenomenal, really. But... As Manu mentioned, there's plenty of derbies uh, on this weekend and it, it would be rude not to focus, amongst all the other things to focus, the uh, Berlin derby, which happens uh, as the late kickoff on Saturday. Yes, uh, we've seen Union Berlin. Uh, it's their first year in the Bundesliga taking on a regular Hertha Berlin. Um, quite something else. And Union managed to get a penalty and win it uh, near the end of the game. A fantastic a drama. Uh, Manu, th- th- how big was this occasion? I mean, the, the images that came out of it, the, we, we've been to that ground. We know that the atmosphere is always fantastic. Uh, probably heightened even more so on this occasion. But um, a huge victory also for Union. Oh yeah, big, massive. Um, I I went on the the football pod uh, series um, that our friend John McKenzie runs um, or helps produce. Um, I spoke to Joshua Schneiderweiler about this this particular game and what it means for the city of Berlin, and it's it's huge. It's it, it's such a big deal. Thirty years after the Berlin Wall collapses, there is a first ever East-West Berlin derby um, in the Bundesliga. Of course, there was one in 1977 between Hertha and Tennis, Tennis Borussia Berlin, but it was a West Berlin derby, right? Um, so a proper East-West Berlin derby. And, you know, we all knew that this would be a big, big occasion, and it really was. Unfortunately, a lot of Union and Hertha fans have forgotten that those two clubs actually used to be friends. Um, you know, there's a lot of animosity nowadays. Uh, the younger generation forgotten that there was actually a friendly game between the two clubs when the wall fell to celebrate the fact that the wall fell and clubs used to support each other across the wall and um you know i you know i love a heated derby atmosphere but sometimes people just take it a little bit too far as for the result big win for union i actually tipped union to win one chris and i both said it if union berlin want to stay in the league they have to win their home games and i think the more emotional a home game is the higher the chances are of winning dortmund's up, felt that the hard way. Hertha felt it on the weekend, and I think for Union this could be a very big result because it's going to catapult them through the rest of the season and maybe even help them stay in the league. Yeah, Chris. Um, I mean, a huge victory. I mean, for the occasion, obviously, but it, it's it's put Union out of the relegation zone. It's put them in 14th position with 10 points. Um, it, things are definitely um, looking a little bit brighter after that, and. Yeah, you never know that this can get spirits up and a, a team can kick on from there. Most definitely. And I think 
the best team they could possibly be playing off the back of a derby win is Mainz, who got battered by Leipzig because they will be down on their laurels. Um, You'll be lucky to see a sellout crowd at Mainz after that performance in Leipzig. And um, Union Berlin are going to go there and potentially have the possibility to get back-to-back wins. If you look at the teams around them, Dusseldorf and Bremen um, have both got um, really difficult games um, Hertha themselves have got a, a really difficult game against Leipzig. It could be the a fact that back-to-back wins could take them um, above Hertha Berlin um, into 11th, and that would be uh, phenomenal um, for Union Berlin, not just because of them being newly promoted, the size of the stadium, the facilities that they've got, the, the income that they generate. Um, for them to be 11th um, in November would be a serious turnaround. They were my prediction to shock a few people at the start of the season, and that's based off being there and being around and and knowing that the home support can really power them forward. And and Manu's quite right. And you know we did say it. They need if they win their home games, they stay in this league, and that's what they need to do. But they need to pick up points away from home occasionally because they won't win every home game. Um, and there's a massive chance. For them to do that against Mites on the weekend, um, I really hope they do stay in, because um, what we saw Saturday, you know, the pictures—it's it, a brilliant derby with atmosphere. It did spill over um, some ugly scenes at the end, you know, that no one wants to see. Um, everybody loves pyrotechnics. I'm a big fan of pyrotechnic as long as it's safe. I don't think firing flares onto the pitch is safe. Um, I'm just going to say that maybe their first meeting um, coinciding with 30-year anniversary, the fall of the wall. Um, that, that emotions got the better of people. Um, hopefully, we can see um, uh, a Berlin derby at the same ground next season. Um, but I'm just waiting now for the return leg, um, of you know, for the return fixture at the Olympic Stadium because um, there's a possibility that Union could take pretty much their entire stadium um, to Hertha with them. <laughs> Something else that would be, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, obviously we're. Nobody wants to see the uh, scenes that happened and uh, throwing flares on a football field is just, well, silly, to put it politely. Um, so we, we definitely don't want to see any of that. But uh, yeah, what what an atmosphere. And so some of the, the images that we've seen before the game holding up banners and that was, was just phenomenal, really. And yeah, we want to see it for years to come. It would be great if we could have the Berlin Derby on a regular uh, occasion. But um, another... Um, Derby that happened, one that Manu went to uh, at possibly his favourite Bundesliga stadium, uh, was Dusseldorf taking on Cologne. Dusseldorf coming out on top, uh, 2-0 victors. Uh, Manu, how was this game? Uh, what were your takeaway points from it? Yeah, uh, the Merkorspiel Arena remains my favourite stadium. I think, look, I think it's a wonderful crowd if you stadium if you're part of the crowd if you're part of the fans I, I think it's a very compact when it's full like it was in this game it's it's loud it's very loud and the Fortuna fans were great the Köln fans were great until they started throwing flares um, I, I was a fan of the flares themselves I think you know I, I personally think it's kind of it, it looks cool but you know we, we shouldn't condone it I guess um, there's a video that I posted where you could see it unfortunately they did then throw them down onto the the stands below and that's that's dangerous that doesn't doesn't need to happen 
Um, the result was great for Fortuna. You know, I did a match report um, both on Fußballstadt and then I did an um, in-depth report for Pro Soccer USA because I spoke to Zach Steffen and uh, Alfredo Morales. And Zach Steffen, this was his first derby game in the U.S. men's national team keeper, Zach Steffen, of course. This was his first derby game in Germany. And he was, when I spoke to him, he was somewhat baffled. Um, he couldn't believe what he just witnessed, you know, the noise, the atmosphere. He, he said to me, it's great. He's never seen anything like it, and he loved it. He loved every second of it. So, you know, it, it does have an impact even on, on, you know, national team players that haven't really experienced something like that before. Um, yeah, as, as for my final word on the stadium, great stadium, not so great stadium to work at. The club Fortuna, wonderful. You know, I spoke to Funstiel before the game. Um, they make every player always available to the press. They're very nice. They work very well with the press. I mean, I don't often praise clubs, you know, for the, the actual media work. The media facilities aren't great, but they're doing the most with the people that they have to make it work for journalists nonetheless. And I, th I think that is something to applaud. I had Kai Niemann come over to me. Um, after the game and asked if everything was okay, if there was anything else I needed and um, just asked me in general how things are. And I think that is, that is class. I think it's great when clubs go that extra effort and help the journalists. Yes, definitely. Helping uh, your job, uh, your your daily routine of going to grounds, isn't it? It's definitely made easier that way, which which obviously we want on this podcast. Um, I have a feeling, Manu, you're going to a few other grounds uh, rather soon. Um, guys, um, I, I think that more or less covers all the topics that we've, uh, we've wanted to today. Uh, which is a miracle, really. I think we could have potted for a few hours with everything that happened this weekend. But, um, Manuel, I'll go back to you. What, what have you got going on uh, this week that you would maybe like to draw people's attention to? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I, I'm heading back to Dortmund tomorrow from Hamburg to Dortmund uh, for the Champions League game. They, they, there will be coverage on the International Champions Cup side. Um, doing something on Conte. Um, then, I'm, of course, there will be something on Fußballstadt, the regular match report. Um, then on Wednesday, I was going to do the Bayern Olympiakos game with a focus on the Klassiker. I mean, the, the, the whole storylines and everything I had planned were kind of thrown upside down on, on Saturday with that Frankfurt result. Um, so, of course, my, my focus will be on Bayern under Hansi Flick how are they going to get on? There will be some coverage from ICC. There will be coverage on Fußballstadt.com. There will be um, coverage for Forbes as well as I'm looking ahead to the Klassiker. So uh, lots of things going on. And then on Saturday, I am at the Klassiker. I got my accreditation confirmed. So um, thank you very much to Bayern uh, for, for making that work. And I'm very much looking forward to that game because I think it's going to be the most interesting Klassiker in some time. So we're going to have that fully covered on all channels. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the sacking of Kovac um, has only made that more interesting, hasn't it? You know, not that you need any more excuse uh, to watch the Classicer. That will be the late kickoff on Saturday um, coming up. Uh, Chris, what have you got going on uh, coming up? No doubt you're just as busy. Yes, Bryce, I'm um, off to Liverpool tomorrow um, as we speak. So that's Tuesday, Liverpool's Champions League game against Genk um, Wednesday. Um, I will take my pick of the matches to watch. We'll probably watch Bayer Leverkusen against Atletico Madrid, see how they get on um, with an eye on visiting them in December. 
Um, yeah, then Wednesday night, I've got a, a serious satellite radio. If you're in the States, got my weekly, or not weekly, my um, normal Champions League correspondent duties on that. Um, Liverpool match report will be available on um, footballstat.com, of course, as we're following Jurgen Klopp again. Um, and then there's plenty of content as well on ICC with European recaps, Premier League recaps, ICC domestic team recaps. Um, and then also I've got so start of the month, Bryce Ode, back to back to work for Forbes again. Yeah, see, I was right. Just as busy. You boys are always busy. Eh? But you're giving the people what they want, and that's more football to read, uh, listen, and watch, I suppose. Uh, but, um, yeah, guys, if you need more football in your lives, you can always head over on Twitter to at Football Grand Live, and there'll be plenty of match reports, previews, and yeah, everything else that you could possibly want on there. But um, I, I suppose until uh, next week... Um, I'm just going to say enjoy the Champions League and European games. Um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And yeah, bring on Der Klassiker, eh? Oh, it's been exhausting, lads. It's been a lot to cover tonight. Anyway, I'll feed us in. Ich war seit Wochen Auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.